race, gender, sex. What's your identity? Is religion or faith part of your identity? Can you bring it into the workplace? Can your boss take care of the legal issues? Do they have an inclusion strategy? Are they literate in what religion means to you? Maybe they should give this podcast a listen. This is a Religion at Work podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to TriFaith Studios. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we have a special guest with us t- today. Um, she is the founder of Faith Force. Uh, Faith Force is a community for all faiths. It's an interfaith employee resource group at Salesforce. Uh, she is the 2019, she was the number one of the top 50 feature ethnic minority leaders list from Power Magazine and made the list again in 2020, keeping it going back to back. I absolutely love it. Uh, today we have Farah Siddiqui with us. Farah, welcome. Thank you. Salam, hello, shalom uh, to all of you out there. I'm excited to be here with you. And I'll just add, I'm, I'm a co-founder, so I, had a, I didn't do it alone. And with most things in life, you can't do it alone. So. Absolutely, absolutely. We also have with us Jeremy Freaky, TriFace Education Director. Jeremy, say hello. Hi there. Very nice. Let's get right into it because I'm sure our listeners are dying to hear from you. First things first, the obvious question. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your journey? And I want to know, tell us your why. My why? Uh, Sure. So my journey is, I would say, very typical of an immigrant uh, Pakistani Muslim family. And there's lots of us out here. And I would say it's typical just to the immigrant experience. Uh, Parents moved to the States in the 70s, brought their culture with them and their religion with them and Mm -hmm. set up the groundwork to create these communities in America. So they really like held on to their identity. They didn't like just come in and assimilate, which was a lot of the narrative back then, right? They actually Mm -hmm. stuck to it. Uh, So I grew up in that community and I was instilled with this sense of pride in my culture and a sense of pride in my religion and also a strong sense of pride in this country. So it was this like mishmash that I grew up with and I never thought it weird or separate. It was just part of me, right? My, my, my Pakistaniness was part of me. My Muslimness was part of me mm-hmm. and my Americanness was part of me. Right. Uh, so, so that's kind of the background of just my upbringing. Uh, Miami, Florida is where I, I was raised mm. and born. So that's a very diverse community. You know, it was, uh, I had my big Pakistani Muslim community that I spent my weekends with and the family friends, but I went to public school and it was mostly Hispanic. It was black. It was white. It was everything in between, you know, different religions. And so I had this like interfaith journey from the beginning, constantly trying to teach and learn and share and belong. Um, so, so that was just my, my beginnings. Beautiful. So is that early enough to... That, that's you my know, story. A, a lot of people can relate to those kind of origins. I know I can. I have a very similar one coming out of Los Angeles. Tell us your why. What's your why? My why? I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a pretty, I'm pretty grounded in my faith. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not like overtly, like if you see me 
you wouldn't just assume, you know, I'm a super conservative Muslim person. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I do hold strongly to my beliefs. And most of the why in what I do is just, uh, I want to live a good life so I get to the good place in the, in the hereafter. Right. So my why is, is trying to make it to heaven, right? And, and being mm -hmm. good in this life and building the relationships and the experiences I need to get me where I want to go. I feel like a lot of people have a very similar why, and I absolutely love it. Um, so tell us a little bit about, let us fast forward. Um, tell us about Faith Force. What inspired you to start it, to co-found it, uh, and what is the goal of Faith Force? Um, so like I mentioned, right, I grew up in a pretty diverse uh, community, mm -hmm. but I was still always uh, kind of different. Yeah. Um, so in school, you know, I dressed different. I didn't do the things all the other kids did. I didn't go out on dates. I didn't go to the dances. I didn't eat what everybody else ate. Um, so there was always this like confusion uh, with, my, with my friends. Like, why mm -hmm. don't you do that? Why don't you do that? And as yeah. like a little kid, it's hard to say, you know, you just wanna, you just wanna fit in, but always having to be that different person in the room. Um, so that stayed with me, right? And all throughout school, being an only, throughout college, being an only in most of my classes, but in college, there was an outlet. There was like the Muslim Student Associations, or, you know, you see all these different clubs on campus mm -hmm. that give you that community and give you that support to be able to build up that confidence in your identity. So I had that, right? But then you get to the workplace, you graduate, you move on. Workplaces don't have these clubs generally, right? Right. Um, or, or if they do, they're for certain groups and certain communities that it's mm -hmm. okay to talk about. You see the, the Black employee resource groups. You see the Latinx employee resource groups. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought those were all wonderful. And I thought they all belonged to be there. You know, they, they had to be there. There was a purpose for them. But for me, coming into this setting where it's like a majority white space I'm in, a majority man, uh, male-dominated, you know, rooms. Right. Uh, if there were Indians or Pakistanis, they were generally Hindu. Uh, in the tech space, and nobody wore a hijab, right? So it constantly going into these rooms, into these meetings, post 9-11 world, hijabi Muslim woman coming in and not having that, um, or just, just dealing with the stares or dealing with the people unsure how to treat you or how do they talk to you. Mm -hmm. And even if, you know, overtly no one says anything, I feel it. You know, I can't talk about it, but I feel like, okay, these stairs are weird or did they look at me funny or did they not look at me funny or mm -hmm. I can't eat anything. They have lunch every day, but they always have like stick it, uh, chicken and steak and I just eat the salad and I'm not vegetarian. I love meat, but it has to be halal or kosher, right? So right. just dealing with all of that in the workplace silently is difficult um, and it just weighs on you. And just like hiding other people hide like they're LGBTQ identity to fit in and belong or hide their uh, whatever else, their disabilities to belong, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some people hide their faith because they don't want to feel like an outsider surrounded by people who believe differently. Now, for me, I didn't hide it. You could see it on my head, but I still wanted to be as normal as possible, mm -hmm. right? So I didn't want them to see me pray. I didn't want to explain why I was doing this or that or why I couldn't eat. Uh, because it's like, look, yeah, I'm weird, but I'm not that weird. I'm still, I'm still kind of normal, right? But then that whole idea of like normal, this is my normal. Why, why am I hiding it? Like, I, I don't need to hide that. And then there was this one experience where 
I, I had to pray. And I'm constantly you know, trying to find that corner. All of our boardrooms uh, had big windows or, you know, so they didn't lock. So I'm like, okay, I can't just go in this room. What if someone walks in? I'm trying to find a space in the cafeteria, but people always kept walking in. So I would just pretend like I'm picking something up off the floor and just break my prayer. Um, and it was just getting frustrating. So one day I just talked to my uh, manager and I was like, I'm going to go in this room and I'm going to pray. Can you just make sure no one comes in? Yeah. And his response was like, yeah, I'll grab my chair. I'll be your chair, you know, your door guard. And just super excited about it. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding? Like, it was that easy. I just had to say something. Yeah. And now you're, you're going to be my door guard and you're just going to, you know, make sure. I was like, okay, that was easy. Uh, but it took so long to get to that point where I could just be like, I have to do this. Can you just watch? Um, and if there was a culture there where it was like, day one, come in. How can I support you? You know, uh, anything you need, let me know. Mm-hmm. And to have that conversation on day one would have saved so much anxiety and stress. It seemed like it was a long journey for you to get to that simple question. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a pretty bubbly, open person. Mm-hmm. So even my long journey was like, let's say six months, right? For others, it's not. It's much longer. It's like years in an office space where, where they don't say anything. They pray in cars outside. They miss their prayers. They eat whatever is there. They start going to the happy hours. They try to like just fit in and belong. And um, it's difficult, right? When you know there's no support system and you know you got to move up. And you know the only way to move up is to network and be in these spaces and not be weird and different. Um, so it can be difficult. And thankfully for me, you know, I had such a supportive team and coworkers and the culture at the company. So it just made it easier for me to have that conversation, even though it still took me months. Um, but I just, I really just saw the value in just talking. How can I have more of this? And then, you know, I just became more vocal. I brought donuts for Eid for myself and said, I'm celebrating. FYI, do you want a donut? You know, so, you know, I'll celebrate. I'm sick of celebrating alone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And then knowing that my Jewish colleagues were doing the same, uh, you know, and coming to work on Yom Kippur or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So I knew it wasn't like an isolated struggle. So when it comes to faith force, what's what's that primary goal that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. So I'll just say like, before uh, my company was uh, acquired by Salesforce and we came into the fold, um, I used to do like lunch and learns with a Catholic coworker. Uh, he just reached out and was like, you know, you, you make uh, religion seem fun or you love God. I love God, but I know nothing about you. And he was Catholic. And I was like, uh, you know what, let's talk about it. And he was totally open to talking about it. And we had mm-hmm. lunch a few times and we would just talk and share prayers. And this is what I say at night. And this is what I say at night. I went to mass with him um, and he was totally down to come to the mosque with me, but then uh, he left to a different uh, job. So we didn't have that opportunity, but it was such an enriching experience. Just that connection, just that talking about it, right? And, and then we did like a holiday panel where it was just me and a Jewish coworker and a Christian coworker. And we just, it wasn't an official group. It was just the three of us coming together, um, sharing about what's going on, what's coming up in our holiday traditions, it was when Eid and Yom Kippur and like All Saints Day were all around the same time frame. Uh, and it was beautiful. And employees were like, this was great. Why don't we do this more often? Um, so it just kind of planted the seed, like this could be so normal and so good. Uh, so then when we got acquired by Salesforce, uh, we just brought up, uh, I personally, you know, just reached out to the Office of Equality saying, is there any space for interfaith in our equality narrative, in our equality net landscape? Can we make a space for our faith identities? 
just so that we can drive that belonging and allyship that we're driving for all these other communities because I don't see my story yet. I see so many others. And when I hear all of these other stories, it makes me want to fight for them and stand up for them and be an ally to them. So I need people to hear this story too. Right. Uh, and thankfully they were totally on board and there was other people who wanted the same thing. Um, and just putting those like-minded people together to help build this program and is what we did. Like you, you've already touched on this. And by the way, there are already so many threads that I want to explore with you. Um, so we have discussed religion-based or oriented ERGs with other guests. Why do you particularly suggest an interfaith ERG? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the religion-based ERGs, and even at Salesforce, we have religion-based, um, I guess, affinity groups, which is like a, a step down from an official like ERG at the company. Right. But there's still places you can come together and find belonging, find like-minded people, right? So we have a Christians at Salesforce or Muslims at Salesforce group. Uh, those are the places where the theological stuff type of things happen, like the Bible study or prayers or stuff mm -hmm. like that. Faith Force is not about that. You know, I'm not going to come, you're not going to come to a Faith Force meeting and expect to see um, us praying together. Or, you know, you, we might have interfaith, like, interfaith prayers to kick off an event, right. but we're not going to come together to pray for each other and read verses from the Bible as just like a standard uh, practice. Mm -hmm. Right. What we do encourage is learning, awareness, education across faiths to build connections across divides. Um, and you can't do that in your own silos. Right. You have to be comfortable stepping outside of your own identity to learn about the other. Because what's the issue in the world right now? Right. It's just that we're all in our silos, uh, not listening to the other and just focused on our own problems and our own uh, issues. Mm -hmm. But when we talk to each other, we'll realize how connected we are. Um, and stop being so scared and driving away that fear and that hate. Um, so it's just really important to be focused on this connection building. I um, mean, you can't do that from your silos. So there's a space, there's definitely a space for the faith-based mm -hmm. groups to find that community, to find that connection. But with Faith Force, we're really driving belonging. We're driving inclusion. We're mm -hmm. fitting into that equality, diversity, inclusion narrative um, where all belong. And we all drive to uh, create a culture at the company where a person like me comes in day one and sees themselves represented, sees their, their, their issues and concerns addressed. Um, and not just me, but the Jewish coworker comes in and finds kosher menu options or whatever it is, right? Um, so it's a space where all of us can belong. And, and that working together is, is really where the power is. And I absolutely love that. And let, let, let me go off script here for a little bit because I, I want to touch upon something that you've you said a few times, and that's belonging. So at, at TriFaith, we're big believers that being able to bring your fullest self, your fullest identity, your truest identity to the workplace is good for the employer. Why do you think that is? What, what, kind, what, what is the rational or economic reason that an employer wants an employee that can be their truest self yeah. I mean, it's just the, if you go look, there's research done about the case for diversity and inclusion at companies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how it's good for employee morale. It's good for employee productivity right. when they, you know, when they feel like they belong somewhere and they're not spending all this energy hiding mm -hmm. and, you know, that anxiety and the stress that weighs upon you when you hide. Um, so it's just no different, right? When you talk about diversity, belonging, inclusion, bringing your whole self to work is not faith part of someone's whole self. Ask so many people 
what, how do you identify? The very first thing I'll say is Muslim. Mm -hmm. Then I'll say woman. Then I'll say Pakistani. Then I'll say whatever else. But mm -hmm. the core to my identity is my Islam. Um, ask another person. They'll say their Christianity. They'll say, they'll say, you know, their Jewish faith, their Sikh faith, their Hindu faith. Our faith for a lot of people is core to who we are. So when we talk about bring your full self to work, isn't that part of it? Yeah. Right? Is that something that we're going to just kind of accept that? No one in the DNI space would say, right, that's how we should approach it. All of it except that. Right. No, it means uh, your full self belongs here. And again, there's guidelines, right? We're not going to promote hate. We're not going to say this identity not, and is better than that identity or this is uh, the right view or this is the wrong view because we realize that we're such a diverse group. There is no right, wrong in terms of all of us. There's acceptance, there's belonging, there's inclusion. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's just very, it's a very easy case to make. You care about inclusion, you care about belonging at the company, you see the value of it. Uh, just with that narrative, I don't need to add a separate value of religious inclusion. Right. Uh, it just ties into that same narrative. So when we when we talk about this inclusion, this DEI space, it feels like um, that race, gender, uh, orientation, sex, those have become much easier for employers to say. Why is it a bit more difficult for faith to be included in that discussion? I mean, look at the world around us. It, mm -hmm. It's pretty, you know, uh, you see the divisiveness caused by religion mm -hmm. in the world. And, and really what I try to do with Faith Force is change that narrative in my own space, in my own conversations, right? The little bit that I can do mm -hmm. um, to, to change that, to fight that narrative. Because um, yes, religion can be used to divide. Religion can be used to discriminate. We see that. We see that in the way that these you know, groups around the world have taken religion and weaponized it, politicized it. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, talk to faithful people and you'll see the beauty in their traditions. You'll see that that's not what you see in the TV and what you see in these movies depicted about faith. It's so much deeper. It's so, it's so beautiful. Um, I actually had a, I was uh, speaking at a conference one time and I had a slide up and just basically religion in the workplace. What do you think of? Just shout out some words uh, and people, you know, divisive, uncomfortable. Or, no. Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, I changed the next slide and I was like, I want to challenge all of you to start thinking about it a little bit differently. Think about it as normal, as inspiring, as hopeful. Ask anybody of, of faith in this room what religion means to them. And you'll get these words, right? right. And so now and when you say religion in the workplace, just think about it as this is just another facet of someone's identity. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to be sitting here debating God at work. We're going to be sitting here figuring out how to make sure Farah, a Muslim person, is accommodated, is, is included, doesn't feel left out. Mm -hmm. the, same, the same argument we would make for an LGBTQ person or a Black person. It's just an identifying factor of this person. And we drive to make sure all of our workforce feels like they belong. And so I challenge them to change that narrative, change that perception of religion. Changing that narrative and perception is key. So, so a, a related question to this, so what kind of challenges did you encounter when trying to pitch you know, this, this interfaith religion-oriented ERG to Salesforce? Um, I think probably the biggest thing was, you know, when you think of religion in the workplace, so many things could go wrong. 
Mm-hmm. Right. You could get that, you know, some leaders who just want to change it to, I'm going to make this hundred percent Christian group because I hundred percent align with this ideology and I want to spread this message in the gospel or Muslims who want to just take over and make this a dawah, you know, let's use this as to, to spread Islam at the company. And uh, we were just very clear that that's not our goal. So we put together a charter mm-hmm. clearly, uh, clearly calling out who we are and who we are not. Uh, the things that we stand for and the things that we will be doing with this group and the things we will not be doing. We are not politicizing. We are not homogenizing. We are going to honor each one's difference and, and bring it together to work towards good, right? That religious pluralism concept. Right. Um, we are not political. There's so much going on in the world and people are like, what's the, what's the faith force stance on? There's no faith force stance on anything political. Mm-hmm. You know, recognizing that we have such a diverse base, conservative, liberal, atheist, practicing, right? There is no faith for stance on any issue. It's mm-hmm. just your individual stances and we just stand here to support and hear your concerns and, and drive towards inclusion. Um, so just that charter was very helpful, clearly articulating who we are. Anybody who goes against this or does something in, inappropriate or improper, we have the HR channels in place at most workplaces, right? So we would just take those appropriate channels. And I think that was very uh, reassuring. So they understood our intent um, and I think just my, my advice for any group who wants to do something similar, be very clear about your intent, write it down, uh, mm-hmm. be very clear about who you're not and what you're not you know, planning on doing, because that clarity really helps leadership understand the purpose and see how this fits into that DNI space. I think you, you touched something very important where if, for example, any listeners, they're thinking of maybe standing up or starting an interfaith or religious oriented ERG, to have a plan, be ready to give a very concise uh, explanation of what you're trying to do uh, to uh, maybe alleviate some of that nervousness that employers might have. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, a lot of people just, you know, for, for some, it's just, I strongly believe whatever I believe. Is that enough to be part of an ERG or create an ERG? How is that going to add value to the diversity and inclusion space? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to uh, go outside of yourself? Um, and drive for belonging for not just you, but them and her and him. Right. Um, so just, just having that strong faith is important, but having that strong sense of openness and inclusiveness and connection is important too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you a- a explain or maybe give, give any kind of examples of how an employee would know that a company is, is inclusive or religious diversity on day one or what can maybe the other way around is what can an employer do to let their employees know that they're an inclusive, diverse, uh, and an equitable space? Um, sure. So, I mean, I, I know with Salesforce, I believe like on day ones, they just, there's a slide or an overview of all the different equality groups we have. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, all of our new hires coming in can see there's these communities that we champion and faith force is one of them. Um, ability force is one of them, you know, mm-hmm. a bold force is one of them. So it, it shows you that, there's a space for this identity here and you're welcome here. Calling out in, in your day one sessions or whatever, we have meditation and prayer spaces on these floors, right? Just without even anyone asking, just making sure they know these spaces are available. Mm-hmm. Equ- equipping managers with cultural literacy, religious literacy training, right. just so they know how to engage a global audience or, or a you know, diverse network of employees that they may have what are what's appropriate to say what's not appropriate to say uh but you know a manager on day one saying 
let me know how I can support you. If there's any cultural, religious, anything, you know, that I should be aware of, let me know. I'm totally, you know, I'm happy to support you. Mm-hmm. goes a long way too, because I may be scared to talk about it, but my manager is like, hey, you need any support? Let me know. Uh, just opens a door to me being able to say, I need this accommodation. Yeah. Is that okay? Right. And, and, and I'm glad that you said that because with, with Trifaiths, our, our ROI curriculum, our religious other inclusion, we have this religious literacy aspect to it where we want managers, directors, those middle management to be um, just proficient or maybe yeah. just literate um, in some of these aspects. Be culturally competent when it comes that's it. to your employers. And it really is that simple, or at least that's the way I see it. That's it. That's it. Like just, <laughs> just knowing right? Mm -hmm. So many people don't even know that, you know, Sikhi is a religion, that Sikhism Mm -hmm. is different from Islam, Mm -hmm. that uh, Jewish people may not work on Friday nights or may not be able to, uh, you know, come into work on Yom Kippur. They don't know these basic things Mm -hmm. that as a person of that faith, you think it's so common. Come on, you know, Eid is coming up. And, you know, we fight over the moon sighting, but it could be this day or that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you know, Yom Kippur is coming, right? But they don't because mm-hmm. you're so, when you're so, you're so used to things being how they are, right? You're so used in, in our country, for example, right? This is a Judeo-Christian country in terms of just the majority of the population, mm-hmm. right? But you go to India, it's a, it's a predominantly Hindu Muslim country. So it's a different dynamic in different parts of the world. But here, that's our reality. Christ, Christmas is off right? Mm-hmm. No questions asked. We know it. That's the norm. So in your world, you're just like, yeah, holidays are off, obviously, uh, but they're not, you know, right. for me, they're not for, for our Jewish friends. They're not for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just that competence, that literacy is so important. So every, every Faith Force event that we do, be it a holiday celebration or a lunch and learn or whatever it is, strive to get that little bit of religious literacy and competence through the door, just whoever that, attends. Just that a nugget, nugget near. That's it, right? And, and if we've empowered one manager to know better, to, to be able to care about their employees and understand and see the whole person, uh, you know, we've done our job. And let's, let's, try, let's try to spur just a little bit of cognitive dissonance with maybe some of our listeners. And, and I'm going to go back to when you introduced yourself and talked about trying to be normal. To, let's expand on that. When, 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 when you say normal... Um, I interpret it as a heteronormative Judeo-Christian version of normal. Is that how you saw it? Uh, yeah, like in school, just trying to be normal. Yeah, just trying to fit into the society as it. You know, that, the argument for assimilation, yeah. you have to be like us. This is how mm-hmm. we are. Why are you fighting so hard to remain different? Just blend in. Um, that is that norm we're all trying to like, mm-hmm. you know, Drinking is normal. Everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, just it, I got to be normal. I got to do it or else I'm seen as some stranger. And, you know, there's people who do things not because of religion, for whatever reason, right? For trying to break an addiction, trying to, you know, just to be mindful of people's struggles mm-hmm. uh, is something we don't do, just as a side note. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the norm you're always trying to, to belong to uh, in the workspace. Whatever you see around you, right, that's the norm you're trying to fit in with. Um, and so I've always been outside of that norm, wanting to be part of that norm, but not because I'm confident. You know, I love who I am. Right. But also I wish I just belonged in that group or I wish I just felt normal in this space right now, but I feel so weird here. Mm-hmm. If there's like a happy hour at a bar or everyone's laughing and having such a good time, 
and I'm just like, ha ha ha. But inside I'm like soul crushed because I shouldn't be here and I feel really weird. And, right. Um, so right. that just hits at your, I'm not normal. I'm not normal. I'm not like everyone else. Um, so it just takes a lot of support and encouragement. Um, and when you see people succeeding who look like you, that representation aspect is so important, right? You can't be what you can't see. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So when you see that person succeeding, you see that C-level executive with a turban on his head and you're just like, he did it. He didn't change who he was to get there. You see that Muslim woman leading in, in tech spaces or wherever. She didn't have to change who she was to get there. I don't have to change who I am either, right? And when you don't have that representation, you're always just going to be questioning mm -hmm. and, and trying to change and trying to mold. Um, so I see representation as also a huge um, huge mission for this group, really to, mm -hmm. to drive people of faith to become leaders and, and to be that representation. So people, you know, little girls in hijab afterwards can be like, yeah, I can make it in tech. I don't need to change who I am. Right. And what, what will you tell to an employer? So I, I, I'm ready to go move beyond those base tasks, you know, having coffee with the CEO, having maybe a, a, a lunch event. What are those advanced level, next level things that employers can do to get that representation at the C-suite level and beyond? Oh, I mean, it's, it, this is hard. Like yeah. in terms of like recruiting and representation and hiring, right? A lot of that is generally focused on areas that we're allowed to focus on, like race. And you see a lot of work happening right now to make sure our black employees uh, have those avenues and channels to be able to reach these higher, and our Asian employees, right? There's like mm -hmm, this, mm -hmm. uh, there's, I, I forget what it's called, but it's like a, a bamboo ceiling, I think, right? Where it's like, you see all these Asians in like the lower level uh, jobs, but once you get to like the, the higher level leadership positions, there's some wall that they can't get beyond. Right. So you have these targets for, for ethnic uh, groups and race groups, but you don't really see that for religion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't just come in and say, start creating religion targets. We're not going to see that. I mean, it's just not part of the landscape of that, of that world. Um, there's no data really around religious identity at work, so you can't really go that route. Uh, but what you can do is just find those representatives, right? If a company has those leaders, give them a seat, give them a voice, give them a speaking, you know, let them be on the conference stage. We have leaders like that. We have leaders in turbans. We have women in hijab and not just me. There's, there's so many others at Salesforce at VP levels and above. Put them on the stage. Let the world see that we have these leaders, that they're valuable to our company and they're normal, mm -hmm. right? This is, this is also part of our culture that we right. accept all of this, right? Um, and, and we see that now so much. Like I, just in general, walking around, you'll see billboards with hijabi women. I have Snapchat on my phone and there's like snap filters and you'll see some of the women and mm -hmm. those, the models for, they have hijab on at yeah. work, PowerPoint decks. I see men in turbans. I see kippahs. I see hijab, right? It's starting to become visually more normal to see it. Uh, and then when that just becomes a norm, now I am normal. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. Exactly. That, that being normal. That's all anybody wants. I just think. look at me with normalness, yeah. if that's a word. I, I'd, I'd love to take some of that passion and, and I would love for you to channel it. And, and what would you tell an employee that is listening right now that maybe has tried to be there for themselves and they're becoming maybe a little uh, discouraged, disenfranchised at their place of work or maybe in the nation? We, it would be 
you know, we're living right now in very turmoil times, what would you say to them? I mean, number one, I think for a lot of people, right? Uh, we are people of faith or, or religious because it brings us peace or it's a place we go when we are struggling or when we're hurting. Now, you know, not to say that people who aren't of faith don't have spaces like that. They, you know, they do have connections and energy and spirits that they, they connect with. Mm -hmm. But as, you know, as a Muslim, I can just say when I'm feeling a struggle or when I'm feeling uh, nervous or down, I, I turn inward first and, and try to find that peace within me. And, the, and so I would say, number one, meditate pray, find some, find some inner solace and guidance, right? Mm -hmm. Number two, if you don't feel supported at work and it's uh, impacting you negatively, there's a lot of companies out there that will treat you better. Yeah. So maybe it's time, you know, or number, number three or four, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> uh, try, raise your hand and see if you can do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, right? So all it took really at Salesforce was for me to ping somebody and say, hey, can we do something like this? And for them to say, hey, yeah, sure, let's think about it. Let's talk about it. Um, raise your hand and be willing to put in some work, right? And maybe those doors will get closed and they say no, and then you know that's not the place for you. Right. Or maybe they'll say, okay, let, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do. You know, maybe they don't know you're feeling this way. Maybe your manager or your leaders at your company or people in your DNI space don't know that this is a problem mm -hmm. because we don't have the data around it, right? right? Maybe raise your hand and see what you can do. I love that you go with that self-care, know your self-worth, and be self-advocating. I just, I absolutely love all that. Oh, um, you put it together so well. <laughs> so let, 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 let's, put a, let's put a point on, 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 on something we've been kind of talking about. Why is religious expression in the workplace? Why does it matter? Um, because it's just part of you, right? Like my hijab, I don't see that as some political statement. Mm -hmm. I don't see it as some crazy, you know, I, I love the fact that you can look at me and you know, right, right away, I'm Muslim. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's the sense of pride I have in my identity, but I'm not wearing this to just shove it in your face, right? This is just me being me. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, their religious expression is just them being them. Right. And if it's not, then you got a problem. If somebody's out there to proselytize at work, you know, no, that's a, that's a no in our guidelines. That's not mm -hmm. what we do. But if you're just being yourself, that should be allowed. Yeah. Right. So, so religious expression, religious accommodation, prayer spaces, right. That's not promoting a religion. That's just driving an inclusive atmosphere at your, and culture at your company. So people like me don't have to hide these parts of ourselves that are just so important to us. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's shift gears just a little bit. And here's where we're wrapping up. Um, what do you see as the connecting strands between identity-based groups? Like the, like the Black Employee Resource Group? Or yeah, between all these different groups that we have out there, different ERGs, what are the connecting strands? And oh, yeah. what, why are they beneficial to employers? Okay, so number one, like I, I've read the memo by Minda Hartz. Right? And, and her whole experience is as a black woman mm -hmm. in the workspace. Every word of what she's saying, I relate to. Every single word, but as a Muslim woman. Mm -hmm. And not because of my skin color, but because the hijab on my head or the beliefs I hold to. Right? So just hearing that story, knowing that what she went through is what I'm going through in mm -hmm. my own lens, 
and the successes she's had, those tips that she has could actually help me, um, is, is so just eye-opening for, for a lot of people when they see themselves in stories that are nothing like them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So, and then when that black employee hears my story of my struggles of me being scared to go on the train because of what I look like and, or me being the only in the room because of this on my head, they'll just be like, I had no clue you had those struggles. I have the same issues. LGBTQ person, same exact story. Right. So our, we have different um, visually, they look very different. These, you know, stories that we have, but at the heart of them, it's the same. It's that need for belonging. It's that need for see me as me, see, see value in who I am. And I don't need to hide this, right? Uh, and I should be appreciated for all of this. So it's like when you hear the stories of the people of these different groups, you see yourselves in them. And when you see yourselves in them, you care. And, and when you start caring, that's when action happens. And then when you start seeing the change. So just that interconnected nature of how all of our identities really uh, drive towards that same thing at, at work right. uh, is just a really eye-opening uh, thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and faith isn't something that is just separate from our race or separate from uh, your disability. You could be a disabled person who mm-hmm. is Muslim. You could be black and be Jewish. You could be, you know, there's all these intersectional natures. So really, you know, having conversations that explore all these facets of our identity, how they connect, um, it just, it's eye-opening for so many. Mm-hmm. And so, number one, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and to give us your perspective and your wisdom and share your lived experience with us and to talk about interfaith ERGs. What's next for Farah Siddiqui? What, what, what's on the horizon? Is there anything that you want us to know? Gosh, that's like what I ask myself all the time. What is, I'm, you know, ask me that interview question and I will fail every time. (laughs) Where do you see yourself in five? I don't know. I got kids. I got a husband who Mm -hmm. they all need to eat, (laughs) to make food. Like, you know, I live, I live, I live day to day. Mm -hmm. I have a vision of a world where we're all friends. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I work towards at work. And I want you know, Faith Force has like around 3,000 members, but there's around 50,000 at Salesforce. What's next? Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna get all 50,000 of them all 50, going yeah. in onto this mess. Just all of them. Just come yeah. on, guys yeah. and girls and, and people. Let's just, let's just all come together and be the change we want to see in the world, right? Like just bring in all these inspirational quotes. But there's just so much more uh, people we need to reach. There's mm-hmm. so much more uh, training we need to provide for our managers, for our leaders on how to effectively manage diverse teams. There's so many more programs I wanna run and events I wanna run. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's in the future? Just more, more of all of this. Um, beyond that, we'll see, but just want to live a healthy life and a happy life and a stress-free life. That's a really bad answer, I'm sorry. No, I disagree. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful answer because I think a lot, I think everybody, can relate to just wanting to have your best life. That's really how simple oh. it is. And so for Asidiki, thank you so much, co-founder of Faith Force at Salesforce. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat and, and get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course.